everybody. Welcome back to the Four Pillars of Life podcast. I am your host, Bobby Bazran. On this week's episode, I have a very special guest. Please help me welcome motivational speaker, author of the book, It's Not About the Coffee, and ex-president of Starbucks North America, Howard Bihar. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Howard. It's truly so amazing for you to be here. And I'm so excited to dive deep into this conversation with you. For those who don't know, when did you start with Starbucks? And what was your main mission when you first started with the company? I started with Starbucks in 1989. And I spent 21 years there, including my time on the board of directors. And, you know, my, you know, my primary mission was to help uh, the business grow and to be a successful business and to make it a people driven business. And that's, that's what we focused on. That's amazing. You're known for a philosophy that can be summed up into putting people first. What does this mean to you? Well, it, it means that every decision you make is done with your people in mind that you don't make a decision. You don't make a decision to do anything without thinking about its effect on your people. And so that's what a people driven uh, people first philosophy is about. And and that's what we try to do at Starbucks. Did were we always successful? No. But for the most part, we were. Did you implement that idea when you first started with the company or was it already an idea? No, it, it, no. Most of it, I drove a lot of it. There are other people too. Howard Schultz, who was uh, kind of the modern day founder of Starbucks. He wasn't the real founder, but the modern day founder of Starbucks. And another man named Warren Smith. They used to call us H2O. And, <laughs> and we, you know, we drove that in the company. We were going to build a business with people, not on the backs of people. Okay. I watched an interview of yours and you said, Howard Schultz wanted to have healthcare within Starbucks because growing up, his dad worked for a company that didn't have Starbucks or didn't have healthcare. That's correct. And the question that I want to ask is that I truly believe many people learn their morals and values throughout their upbringings, environment, and conditions. And the question that I want to ask you is that during your upbringing, was there a certain time or example where you learned the value of putting people first? Yeah. I mean, my, my parents were both immigrants to the United States. Actually, my father came. He had a brother that was in Vancouver, had a little mom and pop grocery store on Hoyt Street in Vancouver. Wow. And my dad came from Bulgaria to meet him. My dad was the youngest of the children and his brother was the oldest. And my bro- father left Bulgaria when he was 15 on his own and never saw his family again. Anyway, he so he came to Vancouver. Then they both moved to Seattle. And 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 both ended up with grocery stores, small mom and pop grocery stores in Seattle. So, you know, my father and my mother were both driving forces in this idea about people first. I didn't reckon. I mean, you know, I didn't understand. I was too young. I didn't. I understand. I, I knew they were nice to people. They loved people and they were always generous with others. But I didn't understand what that meant. One time, a lesson that I learned one time when I was very young, and it stuck with me my whole life, and that my father was, you know, ringing up some customers at the front counter at a cash register, and and he asked me, I was about eight years old, and every day after school, I would go there because both my mom and dad were working there, so, you know, that's where I went, was to the store. And my dad asked me to get a couple of baskets of strawberries, and 
And I went to the back of the store and I brought the strawberries up front. My dad took the strawberries and he put them in the people's bag and they walked out. Well, I was old enough to realize that my dad hadn't rung those strawberries up on the cash register. You know, and so I said, Dad, you forgot to ring the strawberries up in the cash register when the customers before the customers walked out. And he just looked at me and he said, No, Howard, not everything in life do we need to get paid for. Some things we do just to care about other people. And I happen to know that those people aren't just our customers, they're our neighbors and our friends, and they can't afford to buy fresh fruit right now. So it was my way of just helping them out. And I didn't realize the importance of that until I was much, much older. But it's true. Not everything we do in life do we need to get paid for. And so, you know, we all learn lessons from our family of origins. Uh, and <clears throat> sometimes we follow them, sometimes we don't. But, uh, you know, those were important things to me. And those were kind of driving forces with inside of me. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great answer. In a corporate setting where most people's main objective is to make money, how did you go above and beyond that and implement putting values and people first at Starbucks? Well, we never thought that the object, the, the primary objective was to make money. You needed to make money to move the organization forward and to build, build a better organization. But the, at the end of the day, it wasn't about making money. That fell out of all the things that we were doing. And we recognized that we had to have an adequate profit to, to move the organization forward and to build on our successes. But it wasn't, it wasn't the first and foremost of the company. And I think companies get too caught up in that. You know, the goal, if you're going to do anything, the goal should be to optimize, not maximize profits. And optimization means that you understand that you have a lot of stakeholders. You're not just, you don't just have a shareholder as a stakeholder. You have your communities, your suppliers, the people that work in the company, all, you know, the, the customers that you serve. And, and you have, to, each one has to get a piece of it. And you have to figure out what that is over time. Sometimes some get more, sometimes some get less, but it's always with the idea that, that everybody's got to get their share. So in a company as big as Starbucks, there's obviously shareholders involved and there's you on the other side that cares about values and people. Did the two sides ever conflict? Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there can be, yeah, sure. If the shareholders are coming to you and sometimes we would have big shareholders that when we were public come to us and say, why do you have health benefits? It costs you a lot of money and they don't, young people, they don't need it. We, we would say because we have we give everybody health care benefits. And, 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 but for the most part, the board, not one time in the whole time I was at the company ever said we should get rid of benefits for the people. They understood what we were trying to do. But sometimes the shareholders didn't. And so they would try to push you. And we had to say, we're not going to do that. Now, in order to be able to continue on with that, you had to be successful. You had to give them a reasonable rate of return or, or they were going to attack, you know, and, and we always were able to do that. Yeah. Starbucks is one of the most successful businesses that I've seen growing up right now. I mean, profit, uh, treating people well and making an adequate profit are not opposites of each other. It's, nope. it's not either or it's and, you know, and so you have to understand that and recognize that don't, you know, don't panic when somebody's pushing one way or another. Or sometimes employees would want more than we could give, you know, at the time. And so we had to have conversations with them, talk about what we could do. And it was never a no. It was always, here's what we can do, but we can't do that. 
Yeah, very true. Who implemented the idea of having free Wi-Fi at Starbucks? And what was the main reasoning when you first implemented that idea? At the beginning, it wasn't free. Oh, <laughs> we, oh okay. Uh, <laughs> we thought we could, early on, we thought, well, we can make money on it. And, uh, and so we had a joint venture. I can't remember. I think it was with AT&T or something like that. But then after a while, we realized that we were not in the Wi-Fi business. That had to be just a, a benefit that customers got. And so, I mean, it wasn't one person that pushed it. I was a believer in making it free. Uh, but, but there are a lot of people that saw the opportunity and, and pushed it. At the time, was there any other coffee shops that were offering free Wi-Fi? You know, I don't remember. I, I don't remember. When Starbucks first started out, did you guys just sell coffee or did you guys always sell food as well? No, we've always had food. We've always had some some amount of food. Now, in the very early days of Starbucks, you know, they didn't sell coffee by the cup. They sold, um, you know, they sold cup pounds of coffee and tea and chocolate and all sorts of supplies and uh, coffee making equipment, no coffee by the cup wasn't until about 1986 that they tried that. And that was Howard Schultz's claim to fame. He saw that opportunity. And so he pushed it with inside the company. He was there at the time. I didn't come, like I said, till 1989 when he had already bought the company. So, um, but yeah, we had always had food. Okay. When you opened the first Starbucks outside of North America, what was going on in your mind? Did you have the confidence that it would do well? Or in your mind, did you think it was a big risk? Uh, I didn't think it was a big risk. We weren't betting the farm. We did it with a joint venture in Japan. And I, I thought it would be successful. We went to Japan because they were big, they were big coffee consumers in the world. And, we, and they already consumed coffee. So we knew that they would if we had the right thing. I mean, I, I didn't know how, how well it would work. You know, we were taking a risk. There was no question about it. Fortunately, it worked. That's why I got my job. (laughs) (laughs) When I go to Starbucks today, the first thing that I notice is how kind the people are. And I notice that more than the actual coffee. Yeah. It's one thing to say that you value something, but to live by those values each and every single day is completely different. How did you go about implementing those values and being kind to your employees? How did you make sure they follow those principles? Did you do any specific training? Uh, it wasn't training. I don't think you can train that. Uh, you can educate and develop people to buy it to their benefit to be kind to people, but people kind of come with it or they don't. They're either people centric or they're not. And, uh, you know, over time, maybe you can grow some people to it, but, uh, but no, we didn't train it. I don't believe in that word training. First of all, you educate and develop human beings. You train pets. Our, our, we were not trying to get people to fake it. We, we wanted people to be real. So they it, whatever they said or however they talked to the people they were serving, it had to be real conversation, not, not uh, you know, uh, have a nice day, you know, or well, that, would you like a large order of fries with that? You know, not that kind of thing. Yeah, you're either a people person or you're not. That's the yeah. way I look at it. Yeah. Now you can develop those skills because you want to, but you have to focus on it. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Where Starbucks is now operating over 31,000 stores worldwide and producing billions of dollars in annual revenue. When you first started with the company, did you think that it would get this big and successful? Never, never, never had any 
I was trying to escape corporate life when I joined Starbucks. You know, I was this little tiny coffee company. I thought this will be perfect. It, it, you know, it, it had the values that appealed to me. And yeah, no, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think it would become what it's become. If I would have known, I'd have kept all my shares of stock. <laughs> Why did you leave Starbucks? Uh, well, the first time I retired when I was 59, and it came about because I, my wife was an oncology social worker, and she was getting her PhD. And I said to her, when she finished her PhD, which I thought would take her eight or nine years, like every other human being that gets a PhD, it took her four, four and a half years to get her PhD. And I'd made a commitment to her that we would take a year off and we would travel. And so that commitment was a commitment. So I did. And I, I thought maybe I'd come back. But at the end, I decided I didn't. I was going to try to do something else with my life. And, and then a year... Uh, uh, two years later, uh, I get a call on the week of September 11th. The, the guy that was the president of North American Operations resigned, me, and I was still on the board at that time. They asked me if I'd come back and take over for a while, and I did. And so, and then I stayed another couple years, and then I retired. But you know, it was time. I've been working since I was 13. You know, and. Uh, I just felt I wanted to do something different with my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time working since you're 13. Yeah. In your opinion, why do you think Starbucks is so successful? Uh, the people. Our commitment, dedication to people. Uh, you know, I have this little equation that I like to use. You grow the people. That's the first step. And that means that you help them become better human beings and better professionals. When you grow the people, the people grow the organization. And that means that the people that are there, the organization brings in like people, right? That are similar to themselves that share common values. And then the organization grows the business. That's a very successful model, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. Your ideologies about creating relationships is truly inspiring. You have been married for quite a few years. Is there any tips that you can share with my audience that can help them create a long lasting, happy relationship with their partner? Uh, yeah, have a plan for your life, right? If you're married or you're, if you're, you know, if you're just living with somebody or you have a significant other, write out a plan for all aspects of your lives, your spiritual life, your, your uh, material life, your uh, career goals, your, uh, your family goals, your economic goals, your material goals, your, um, your travel goals, your uh, family goals, and work on it together, recognizing that you each have your own inputs. And you, your job is not to make the other person agree always with you, but try to, try to come to agreement on as many things as you can. The ones you can't, come to agreement, try to work through them and recognize that not everything you're going to, you're not going to get everything you want in a relationship. So have a plan for your relationship and, and, and try to live by that plan. That's a great answer. While you're president of Starbucks, North America operations, what are some ways that Starbucks gave back to the community? Well, you know, the number one thing we did was we provided a place for people to come and stay and sit. Right there at the time we started, the only thing that was really like us were bars and taverns. Well, that's different kind of atmosphere, you know. Uh, and so we wanted to be in a egalitarian place, rich, poor, 
black, white, uh, didn't make any difference, educated and uneducated, where you could come and sit, have a cup of coffee, either by yourself or with other people to have a conversation. So that, I think, to me, that was the most important thing that we brought. And then we brought uh, jobs, opportunities for people to work and to grow and to earn a good living. And also we gave everybody equity. And in the United States, it was important. We gave everybody health care. Canada wasn't important because they already had health care, national health care. So, uh, but so, our, you know, we thought all those things matter. And uh, it was, you know, it was our goal was to serve our people first and our people would serve those human beings we call customers. That sounds like an amazing business to work for. It was. It was incredible. It wasn't perfect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we were perfect. We're not. We made a lot of mistakes. We didn't always treat people with respect and dignity, but we always we always came back to it. We always had, you know, had uh, uh, in our mission and guiding principles in place that always pulled us back to who we were. Just like a human being. An organization is just like a human being. Human beings make mistakes, you know. And then, the, you know, our job is to fix it as human beings. That's a great comparison. If somebody was building a business today, what are three things that they would need in order to be successful? Uh, Well, uh, great people. Number one, to to, on your team, Um, you'd have to have a plan. How? What kind of business? What are your goals? You know, what what are you trying to accomplish in your life? Um, And have. Uh, understanding what your organization's values were, what their mission statement was, and then follow those things and then have cash. You know, businesses fail. Most businesses fail because they run out of cash, not necessarily because the idea was bad, but they don't, they don't, they don't plan on having enough uh, cash in the bank to help them get through the the early bad times. Yeah. Capital is a huge part of a business. In your book, you have a section about purpose. Knowing how important purpose truly is, why do you think some people still don't live with theirs? Uh, I don't think most people think about it. I think most people just live their lives. You know, and there's an old saying, any path will get you there. If you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. And I think that's how most people live. They just are living their lives. They get up in the morning, they go to work, they they think about the baseball game they're going to go to and on Saturday or where, where they're going to go have breakfast, but they don't have a plan, a real plan for their lives. And so they don't think about purpose. You know, it's just living from day to day. I mean, it's uh, it took me till I was in my 20s to really understand that, you know, mid-20s to understand that, you know, a life worth living is a life having a greater purpose than yourself. And, uh, and you have to take time to think about that. What is you want out of your life? What are you trying to leave behind? And everybody can do their own. You know, there's no right or wrong here. It's just whoever you want to be and whatever you want to be. Uh, but, you know, you know, it's, uh, I think it's just people don't care. And they don't think about it. Yeah, to add to that, what my perception is about that is that people just run through the emotions of life. They never take time out of the day to sit with themselves and ask them like, what do I truly want out of this one life? Why am I? Yeah. Perfect question. I think they just don't sit with themselves enough and ask themselves those captivating questions. Yeah. 
a lot of people don't want to know the answer. You know, they don't want, they don't want, they think that if they do this, right, that it restricts their lives, right? And, but it's the opposite. When you have a plan for your life, it frees your life. It frees you. It doesn't restrict you. Yeah. Well, Howard, those are the main questions that I have. And then at the end of my interviews, I like to do a section where it's a final five questions. You can answer okay. them in one sentence, two sentence, or okay. you could take five minutes to answer a question. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. The first question is, what's your definition of purpose? Uh, definition of purpose is something that, that is motivates you, uh, that gets you up in the morning, that excites you that um, that uh, that can add value to the world that serves other people uh, it's to me purpose is is about bigger than you it's about living your life understanding that that what you're doing is bigger than you and when at the end of your life you look back and say I, I either lived out my purpose or I did doesn't mean you accomplished everything you said I to do but you either live for your purpose or you didn't. So I think, you know, for me, my greater purpose is to serve other people. Every day I want to nurture and inspire the human spirit, beginning with myself first and then for others. And that's my greater purpose. Do you think that, this is a side question to that question. Do you think everyone's purpose should involve serving people? Yes. There's only one reason any of us are put on this earth and that's to serve other human beings. doesn't make any difference what you do. You're serving another human being. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a widget maker, you're a garbage truck driver, you're a, a flower grower, you're a carpenter, you're a psychiatrist, you're a, a podcaster, you're, you uh, make coffee, you serve coffee. It's always about serving another human being in some way or another. And when you're doing that, you may get tired, but you'll never get bored. Yeah, very true. What's one thing that brings you true happiness and enjoyment in life? to see other people succeed uh, to see uh, uh, watch my grandchildren grow see my wife grow and 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 do the things that she wants to do um, my dogs I have two little Havanese dogs they're like my best buddies you know and all those things go see life is not about happiness life life is about fulfillment and fulfillment comes in all sort different ways. You, 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 fulfillment, you, in order to be, have a fulfilling life, you have to experience pain, sorrow, disappointment, failure, happiness, joy, uh, uh, success, uh, all sorts of things. And, and happiness is in there somewhere at times. But we don't live our life every day happy, being happy. But, but so... All those things I talked about, my, seeing my wife grow, fulfill, seeing my grandkids, seeing people that I've worked with go on to do bigger things after they left Starbucks, uh, watching my dogs grow, the time I hit, play with them. I mean, you know, the joy that I see in their eyes when they get excited, it all goes to having a fulfilling life. Yeah. So your happiness relies heavily on watching other people be happy and successful. Yeah. Yeah. And grow as human beings. Yeah. That's amazing. Not, not just people. My pets, my dogs, too. <laughs> yeah, can't miss those. No. What's your definition of being kind? Uh, being kind? Um, it's a good question. 
is uh, is being willing to give more of yourself than is wise. Wow, that's a great answer. Yeah, uh, you know that other people would think is wise. Being, you know, treating people with respect, treating people with dignity, sharing your wealth, you know, sharing your knowledge, um, helping people up when they've fallen, you know, uh, helping people uh, when their heads get too big for their, you know, for themselves, when their egos get too big, helping them realize that that's not good for them. So it's that's being kind. Well, always telling the truth. Oh yeah. That's a big one. Always telling the truth. I like that. What's your favorite drink at Starbucks? A triple tall Americano, double cup, no room, no cream, just black coffee, three shots of espresso and eight ounces of water. Wow. You knew that off by heart. Yeah. Well, I've been drinking it a long time. (laughs) (laughs) So my final question is in your book, you write live and act based on your values. What are some values that you live by? And the second part to that question is, how do you consistently live by those values? Well, my first core value is honesty. And, um, and then the second core value is integrity. And the third core value is love. So the way I live by them, I have them written on a sheet of paper. And they're defined, what they mean to me. Right. And that sheet of paper I've carried with me for 50 years. And I have it in my briefcase. I have it on my iPad, on my cell phone. And it's always there to remind me. Wow. That's amazing. And and that's how I live by them. You know, when in times times of anxiety, I go look at it. In times of great joy, I go look at it. In times when I think I can do no wrong, I go look at it. Wow. That's a great answer. Those are all the questions that I had today, Howard. Thank you so much for being here. It was truly a pleasure. And I'm just so grateful that you took out time out of your day to be here. And if there's anything that I missed, or if there's anything that you wanted to say to end the interview, please go ahead. Uh, I would just like to say this, that, um, uh, you know, uh, here's my cell phone number. It's 206 972 seven 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 six and my email address is hb at howardbr.com and i'll always respond to somebody if they call or they write me it may take me a while but i'll always get back so you know anything i can do to help another person have a better life i'm willing to try to do it that's so selfless that's amazing and i just had one more question then when did you start doing that giving out your number and giving out your email a long time ago i don't remember when what was the philosophy behind it? That, uh, that you know, uh, my job, remember my mission is to nurture and inspire the human spirit. So that's my way of doing it, one of my ways of doing it. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Howard. I truly right. appreciate it. Bobby, I hope you have a great day. All right, take care of yourself. Thanks for having me on. Hey, came in the game getting money. Flip chicks with get money.